It's all tens and zeros, baby. I'm American. Did I mention that? Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. It's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs, the show about infrastructure in England versus North America. No, it's about Midsummer Murders, Mark. Oh, oh, okay. Midsummer Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the ma'am, the loonies, and everything we love. I love infrastructure. You're going to talk about it, aren't you? Yeah, I am. On the summer. Who are you? uh, My name is Mark Bell. Sarah Smith Robbins. Welcome, maniacs. A warning, if you let your kids do show jumping of rabbits, they should be able to watch this episode. I think so, yeah, yeah. There's nothing. There's a lot implied here, but there's no BDSM scene like other episodes we've covered, at least. And there's no nudity or cursing or anything, so it's okay. Well, all the rabbits are nude. That's true. Yes. Well, they have harnesses on, speaking of. (laughs) That's the only thing they wear. Wow. We took a weird turn already. (laughs) I blame it on you. Anyway. On the subreddit this week, the big talk has been about UK versus US travel times and infrastructure. Because we joke a lot about, oh no, I live in the UK and I'm going to have to drive four hours. I'll probably have to take a packed lunch and stay overnight. Yep. (laughs) That's the joke anyhow. Yeah, it's a joke. Whereas in the US, four hours is like commute. Yes. And it's not that we like driving so much. It's that we don't have a choice. We have a bigger country and we don't have a nice public transportation system that gets us around. I would love a, I would love to get on a train and go places. Absolutely. But because flying is sucky. It is just difficult to do in this country. Yeah. Is that what you wanted to say about infrastructure? Yeah, just <laughs> that we're not an infrastructure podcast. We are a comedy podcast. And boy, did we screw up last week. We did. Open mouth, insert stupid foot, (laughs) not thinking foot. I mentioned that the ladies in the last episode reminded me of Cully's mean friends. And um, of course they should, because one of them was the same actress who played one of her mean friends. Yes. (laughs) That was a dope moment. What we're talking about is in the last episode, the character of Serena Luthando reminded us very much of well Serena and Mel and their treatment of Scylla yes. reminded us of the way Cully's friends who tried to drown her and thought it was funny were kind of jerky friends. Yes, and one of those friends was actually played by Esther Hall, who played Serena. Serena. Yeah. <laughs> so no wonder they reminded us. Similar characters, scenario, and you know, same exact actress. Yep. <laughs> Oops. You know, we're on episode 114. It's 114 episodes we've talked about. That's not even including the many episodes we've done. We're bound to forget stuff. Hundreds, (laughs) hundreds of actors. We've talked about so many corpses. My my favorite mistake we made is when we said that, oh my gosh, this person's married to this person. And somebody came back and said, yeah, you said that when that other person was on the episode. Yeah. um, Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Thanks for paying such close attention. We were just trying to see if you were listening. Never mind the hundred hours, hundreds of hours of podcast. Yeah. We also screwed up in I forgot to send out the newsletter this week. Oops. (laughs) Literally just 
slipped my mind. Just it spaced was a, it. A busy week. We got we got eight inches of snow here, which is a very strange thing for eight here. inches in twenty four hours. Yeah, it was the thing. Yeah, I, I being Canadian, I'm used to it, but uh, to say the least, the town had a little freak out about it. Kind of so. screeched to a stop. Yeah, <laughs> and I promptly forgot about the newsletter. But the newsletter will be coming out this Wednesday, which will be Wednesday, February 9th. And then return again on March 2nd. And it's regular scheduled time. Regular scheduled bat time. Monthly Midsummer release. time, Midsummer channel. Yes. And uh, the newsletter this week is going to have a little surprise in it. So if you are a newsletter subscriber, you'll see it first. Otherwise, you'll have to wait till next week to the episode. Yeah, you can sign up for the newsletter at the website. Yep. And then finally, as we mentioned earlier, we are giving all of our donate all of our merch money from the January proceeds, yeah. from uh, December and January to Meals on Wheels, which we took that money and we matched what you guys gave to us and added a bit more. Mm-hmm. Gave a nice little donation to Meals on Wheels. So thank you to everybody thank who bought you. something that's going to go uh, to good use. It absolutely is an organization that's important to me, and it helps with elderly people, not only food, but fellowship and friendship and companionship, mm-hmm. and makes them feel connected to the world. Yeah, and it's I think important. that's super important. So thanks to everybody who bought a silly t-shirt and helped us out. We really yes. appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. So, Are you ready to talk about rabbits? Oh, rabbits. Because this week we're talking about season 19, episode four, Red in Tooth and Claw, which yes. I always think, oh, that's the werewolf episode. No, no. it's rabbits. No. Rabbits, rabbits. It's rabbit. It's and it broadcast on the 18th of January, 2017, August through September of 2016 is when it was filmed. 5.98 million views. Directed by Stephen Hughes and written by the fantastic Lisa Holdsworth. Lisa, good job on this episode. The dialogue is the awesome. One of my favorite lines of all time from Midsummer. We'll get there. by a character. <laughs> There's in a this couple episode. of lines in this episode that yeah. I just, I even rewatching it, I, they caught me off guard. I forgot about them and I had to pause and laugh and like take notes and go back. <laughs> The, so the title of the episode we've talked about before because way back in a Tom Barnaby episode, Birds of Prey, he makes a reference to Red and Tooth and Claw from Tennyson's poem In Memoriam A-H-H, which is Canto 56. Yep. Uh, and so this is a similar reference, kind of callback. Yeah, it's it's a, cool. It is a description of nature's brutality. Mm-hmm. So that, which I think is a misnomer in this episode because these rabbits don't do anything which, wrong. This <laughs> what I love rabbit. about this episode. Well, there are so many things to like <laughs> about this episode, but what I love about this episode is unlike the last episode, which was cricket and betting and all that stuff. This is a silly thing that people take really super and seriously. That is midsummer bread and play butter. It straight. Yes. They play it super straight. It's a, a community in midsummer that is overly obsessed with something that anybody else would think is a small thing and are willing to kill each other about it. And that is the backbone of midsummer that makes it midsummer. Yes. <laughs> And we start at the Belleville Hall Small Pet Show. Now, Belleville is a, is most known to me as a town in uh, Canada, in yeah. Ontario, where our friend Ken lives. Yeah, and Bill. It, uh, it's on the by the island, right? 
No, no, it's oh. it's on the St. Sort of on the St. Lawrence. It's near the St. Lawrence. Yeah. It's near Prince Edward County. But this is Belleville Hall. Belleville Hall. It's a very fancy place. Big estate, right? That hosts the pet show. Okay. Where's the cutoff between small pets and regular pets? Uh, I don't know. They should call this the small mammal show. For the reminder of this episode, I said that we had taken Olive to the Belleville Hall small <laughs> pet show. Because she is a small pet. Because she's still wee. She's, she's still like 12 pounds, something like that. But fantastic. And so the small pets here are things like guinea pigs and hamsters and rabbits. Yes. Well, but there's giant bunnies. They are big rabbits. Yes. For rabbits, they're big. Okay. Let me get back to a thing that I harp on constantly. Mm. Where did this woman who is... Delphi Hartley, who owns Belleville. Yes. So Delphi Hartley. Where does Delphi get all of her money and how does she run the estate by herself? With only Tegan spelt wrong. <laughs> we say it's spelt wrong because we have a child named Tegan who is T-E-A-G-A-N, as in like the drink plus G-A-N. Yeah. And this Tegan is only T-E-G-A-N. She should be Tegan. Tegan spelled wrong. Yeah. So either Delphi inherited this house from her family through marriage or her own, or... She bought it with her own cash from her 30-some books that she's published. Okay. When we get to the book burning part, I will go on my rant about the book. There are a lot, not a lot, a handful of women who have for a long time made lots of money off of romance novels. Yes. And there, I don't think it's beyond belief to think that Delphi bought this house with her own money. They say that she's written 30 romance novels. Yeah. And there are a handful of authors, not all of them women, really. They all go by women's pen names, but of romance novelists who have written prolifically and made plenty of money on their own. So the the one I'm thinking of is Barbara Cartland. I think she sold like more more than a billion books in her life. She could have bought Belleville Hall five times over. Yeah, Danielle Steele's another one. Yeah. She wrote like over 150 books. Yeah. And sold like somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 million books. Yeah. So we, I think we were supposed to believe that, that Delphi made this money on her own. Okay. I wonder if Delphi is short for like Delphinium. Otherwise, know. it would be Delphi. Right? She's got no time to watch Tegan and Seb kissing, though. Well, no, the pet show is so important. But she is on the. She's on the downswing now. She doesn't have a whole lot of cash, right? So they have to, she relies on a sponsor to put on the animal show. Yes, which is not a real sponsor. I tried to find them. But I like Delphi. I think she's actually a genuine person. She certainly looks out for Tegan and stands up to her mother on her behalf. I don't like that she burns her book. Well, I don't, I don't like that she writes her book by hand with a fountain pen. Like, could on, you be less efficient? On blank paper that has lines. Like, it's obviously printed. Mm, it's a handwriting font. Yeah, it's obviously. I know a lot of authors have their own little whatever. But. So we get to see rabbits doing hurdle jumping. Yes. Which I've only ever seen a couple of times. I did not realize <laughs> that rabbit show jumping was a thing and was kind of amazed at the weird world I entered. when. And I how went. much of a thing it is that you'd never heard of. Yeah, it's Quite big in Scandinavia. Oh, apparently. okay. There is a rabbit hopping organization of America, mm-hmm. 
but their website is taken over by a domain person right now. Oh. But their Facebook page is amazing because it's both rabbits and guinea pigs, and it shows them jumping over the same. Guinea pigs jump? Apparently. How can they? Their legs are like two inches tall. I don't know. I bet you that doesn't happen in South America. So Guinea pig jumping. Not South America. No, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So in Scandinavia, it's called Canden Hop. That must be rabbit hop in Dutch or something. Something like that. Yes. There is a quite an extensive Wikipedia page on <laughs> rabbit show jumping. So what was the most surprising thing you learned about show jumping rabbits? Well, two things. One, there is a huge amount of videos on YouTube about show jumping of rabbits. Well, because it's amazing. The Indy 500 is sometimes called the greatest show in most sports, right? Uh-huh. Many times many, many times, <laughs> the the rabbit agility or rabbit humping, uh, <laughs> rabbit hopping. Hopping, jumping. Is called the cutest show on earth. Aww. The cutest sport on earth. Aww. And it is pretty cute. Of course it is. It, they're rabbits and they're, they're jumping. They're, they're rabbits and they're jumping. I watched a nine minute video of... <laughs> Of one particular rabbit's amazing run in 2016 in slow motion. Okay, so it did do it faster than nine minutes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was slow motion. It was all in slow motion. Because that would be a long day. It started. <laughs> if every rabbit took nine minutes. It started minutes. in Sweden in the 70s. Like, they didn't have more to do. It's all over the world now, of course. Now, my most interesting thing was world records mm-hmm. what do you think is the world record for the highest rabbit jump so they jump over gates the way yeah the way do. horses do but really scaled down yes. of course yes what what unit of measurement are we talking uh both inches and centimeters i have here okay i'm gonna go inches because i understand them because okay. i'm american yes um i'm gonna guess 31 inches the world record which is held in June. Because uh, we're, we're talking height, not, in not June 2019. Distance. Yeah. By Miss Pinky's grand champion, Haraduku Dobby, mm-hmm. owned by Julia Sampson from Sweden. Okay. Achieved a jump of 106 centimeters or 42 inches in height. Wow. That's almost four feet. It's almost four feet. It's well over a meter. Yeah. It's well over a meter. Well over a meter. Yeah, like almost a meter and a half, right? No, no. No? It's a meter is a hundred <laughs> You and your metrics. It's all tens and zeros, baby. I'm American. Did I mention that? Okay. <laughs> That's high. Yes. Because they, they basically do it from a standstill. Yeah. You know, they don't like get a run going. <laughs> they don't really get up to speed like a horse does. I learned... About a, another animal that jumped. Oh, we're, okay. We're not done. Okay. Okay. Amaze now, me. what about the, the longest? Oh, the longest has got to be like six feet at least, like two meters. Two meters. Okay. The longest was achieved in August 2017. It is 9.88 feet. Oh, so three meters. Or three or 301 centimeters. Yeah. The same rabbit. Wow. That rabbit's got thighs of thunder. It is the Wayne Gretzky of rabbits. It is. <laughs> you go, rabbit. What's its name? 
Oh, Dobby. Dobby. Go Dobby. Yeah. Dobby so, is fantastic. He just is unbelievable. So I looked into other animals that do show events, not like 4-H and not racing. Yes. But they either compete at some kind of thing like an obstacle course now, or whatever. I do want to tell you, listener, this is not the subject of the episode. No. The subject of the episode is show rabbits. Yes. But... <laughs> These rabbits doing obstacle courses just made me wonder, okay, if horses do it and they've got rabbits doing it, and I know dogs do agility courses, what else? Yeah. Because frankly, rabbits and guinea pigs surprised me. Yes. I knew about horses and dogs. Yeah. Mules. Mules I can see. No. No, you can't because it's not what you expect. Okay. I can see a mule. You expect a mule <laughs> to jump gates like a horse would. Yeah. They don't. They call it coon jumping okay it's a reference to using mules to hunt raccoons okay and so when a hunter riding a mule gets to a fence they're usually barbed wire fences so they get off the mule they put a blanket over it the mule jumps over it they climb over it they go on okay so mules do a standing jump oh like the rabbit they don't run up to no, it. No, it's no run. There's They're no. led up to a box that is immediately in front of the gate, of in front of the jump, and they jump from a standstill. And I saw a mule break the record and do a standing jump of four feet, seven inches, just up and over. I don't know what's it's more amazing that a rabbit could do that. Or a mule could do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these you're, it's not a donkey, right? Yeah. Mules are big. Yeah. But just standing still, just like, you know, up, over, down. (laughs) Overcoming that gravity is difficult. It's incredible. It's incredible. And so, and then I learned, you know, you know about the frog jumping of Calaveras County, right? Where they try to get the frogs to jump. A famous Mark Twain story that it's become a real Spawned a real event, yeah. And then in in the UK, after 2008's big spate of hoof and mouth disease that made, um, Horse racing stopped for a while. Yes. These, uh, I guess, gambling addicts decided that they needed to race something. So they started racing hamsters and it became a really big deal and still is. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So there's hamster racing in the UK. But the event that I was most surprised by after the um, mule standing jump is camel beauty pageants. Camel? Whoa, Whoa, wait a minute. They exist. Is there a bathing suit competition? No, but there is a sauntering portion. Is there a... Where uh, they have to walk in a very, like, sexy way. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. This is all sort of wrong. (laughs) The talent portion of it. They have to, like, sway in a certain way to show their grace. And they put bells on them. And the bells have to ring in a certain way if they're walking right. Wow. It's very funny. That's weird. The weirdest um, competition I found, speaking of Scandinavia, vincensetting is a thing they do in the Netherlands. Okay. What have we learned from this episode? It's it's finch sitting. Yes. They don't sit on finches. Good. Right? That would hurt the finch. What they do is they put their finch, their bird, in a cage six feet away from another one. And they just put them down a street. They do it in the summertime. Okay. And then a judge sets off some kind of timer for an hour. And they count how many times their finch calls in an hour. Oh. And whoever calls the most wins. That must sound nice. And they totally call, open to cheating. They call hundreds of times in an hour. 
Okay. Yeah, you get this big stick that's made of a chalkboard and you have to jot a chalk mark every time they call and the judges go back and forth and make sure you're not lying. Do they have no, like, do they have more, you know, to tie this all together mm. because they have better infrastructure, they mm. have more free time mm-hmm. and come up with these competitions. Do you know what baby rabbits are called? Baby rabbits. I thought you were going to say bunnies. Bunnies. No, kittens. Okay. That's the actual term for a baby rabbit is a kitten. You know who likes kittens? Betty likes kittens. (laughs) Betty also likes bunnies. Yes. She actually says bunny, doesn't she? She does indeed appear to utter the word bunny, which would be her second word on the show. Because Sarah and Betty go to the small animal show. Yes. And Timothy Benson says, no, you can't photograph Hercules. No, thank you. I said, no. No. Sarah gets a little bit pushy. She does. What's she doing with that camera? It's Doesn't a, she have a phone? That is like 1985 called. They want their digital camera back. I don't know. A lot of people have flip phones in this episode too. So Yeah, it's a weird tech episode. It's kind of in the middle, the transition time. But Timothy Benson uh, is played by Steve Pemberton. He's so good in this episode. He is. He's like... A bad guy who's not a bad guy. You feel kind of sorry for him, but you also dislike him. You, uh, if you watch this episode for the first time, you probably thought, he's familiar. Where is he familiar from? Everything. Steve Pemberton um, is probably best known for the League of Gentlemen, which is this comedy troupe he's been a part of for a really long time. But he's also been in Poirot, Lewis, Doctor Who. Uh, He was a recurring character in every episode of Whitechapel and in Happy Valley. Half of these are murder mysteries. Half of them are, uh, another third of them anyway, are like tragedies. Like Happy Valley is anything but happy, by the way. Oh, yeah. If you ever want, okay. And he's this comedic actor, and he's brilliant in that serious role. And he's, I think he's really brilliant here. Whoever, Plus Inside Number 9, which oh, we yeah. haven't even talked about. Oh, it's was- so funny. But who whoever did the design of... I, I I guess it's not costume design. The, these badges and patches yes. that the show breeders wear in this episode. Yeah. I applaud you because Absolutely. I could not stop looking at their the white coats that everybody wears with all of their badges on them. They're so okay. awesome. The Midsummer one can only be described as a black skeletal rabbit with a rainbow coming out of his ass. I don't know if he's skeletal or kind of Day of the Dead flowery like white lines on a black rabbit but still it's still kind of with the rainbow out of its ass it is farting a rainbow (laughs) for sure so there's a little worthy rabbit club badge yeah there's a cost and show rabbits club badge midsummer sawning rabbit club from 1991 the great pelf german gray rabbit club midsummer giant something that ends with an ST that I couldn't read. Maybe. Uh, Midsummer Oaks Rabbit Breeders Association. Midsummer something crossed carrots society. Did you see that one? It yeah. looks like a crest it with carrots like a on crest. it. The Devington Pets Club. There was no spoon on it, by the way. But it does have everything else, including a turtle with a bunch of stuff on its back, <laughs> like a picnic or something. But my very, very, very Favorite is the Midsummer White Rabbit Appreciation Society badge that looks like a playing card from Alice in Wonderland yeah. with the white rabbit on it. It is that 
That one is fantastic. So apparently it's just, if you like white rabbits of any breed, yes. you just have to appreciate them. You can have that badge. Timothy has badges on and him. They, they're real badges. Oh, yeah. First of all. They're embroidered, for so, sure. like, the production work that went into those badges alone. Yeah. The design and, and having them made. And you can have them made pretty inexpensively now. But, like, how many of each did they have made? 20, maybe? Maybe. Why don't we have a full set? Why didn't they give them to us? Why? Send us them. Why don't I we looked have all over things. to try to find them. I couldn't find them anywhere. Yeah. I even looked on UK eBay to see if anybody was selling them. But Dhruv has them and Cleo has them. All of the people who are showing yeah. rabbits have these badges on their white coats. They and went in some bag. I was so jealous. Some wardrobe thing and were forgotten about. And we would have paid money for them. So Timothy Benson and his rabbit Hercules gives him a Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> I know. He gives him a kiss. Yeah. Now, I read an interview with Steve Pemberton about this episode, and he said it was the first time he'd ever worked with rabbits. Yes. The first time he'd ever actually handled a rabbit. Okay. And so I would assume the first time he's ever kissed a rabbit. Yes. What animal would you be willing to kiss for a part? Oh, any animal. Any animal? Yeah, I'm okay with animal. Like, I'm not going to kiss a jellyfish because <laughs> kiss a rattlesnake or something. <laughs> Nothing dangerous, but any other animal. Would you... Would you kiss a llama? Oh, yeah. On the lips? Oh, yeah. Knowing that they've got those big teeth in there? Oh, yeah. And that it might spit at you? How about a bear? Would you kiss a bear? If it was a friendly bear. you trust it? Yeah. They say, they say it's friendly and you kiss it? Yeah. <laughs> You're brave. <laughs> it's an animal. <laughs> you say like, oh, who's so cruel not to be willing to kiss any mammal? I would kiss any mammal. Would you kiss a lizard? Yeah. But I got to say, I don't eat fish, so I'm not sure about kissing fish. <laughs> I have weird fish eating rules. It's a bizarre thing. Well, he kisses that rabbit like he does it every day. I'm impressed with him. He does. <laughs> the worst security guard of all time. Oh, my gosh. He's the worst night watchman ever. Because Seb breaks in there. Loudly. Knocks half of everything over and then just starts letting all the animals out. I don't even know why they're there overnight. Like, what? Wouldn't you take your rabbit home with you for the night? Why From would you leave notes, it there? Why are the animals even there? Yeah, they're all over at the hotel. Like I understand <laughs> going to the local fair and like taking a cow or a pig or a bull. And not packing and it up every night to take it at home. There. Yeah. But a rabbit? Rabbit comes home in your lap. Or in a cat carrier kind of Something, thing. Like, yeah. yeah, you take it home with you, especially Hercules. He lives in town. Why wouldn't Tim take him home? Okay, we have yet to talk about, in all of our discussion of this episode, that strange bunny mascot. Oh. <laughs> with the pink butt. <laughs> yeah, he's an Easter rabbit. Yeah, he, not a rabbit rabbit. He's an Easter rabbit. He's an Easter bunny. With a pink tail. No credit on that person. But whoever it is, they had a lot of patience because they let the kids like yank on him and yep. he's doing a good job <laughs> welcoming everybody. Okay, Seb, what are you doing here? Killing good, you. Good, getting killed. Stabbing you in the neck with a pair of scissors. Yep. Ow! There would be blood everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> well, there's quite a bit and the rabbits are hopping around in it, which I really liked. I, I love that. When they find his body, not only are there rabbits like on his back, but there's one like kind of tucked under his arm. Yeah, like it's kind of I'm, comfy. I'm cozy in here. Yes. I don't know if he fell on it and it just decided to stay or if it kind of like 
backed up into his armpit and was like, ooh, cozy. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa finds the body. Elsa, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit uh, Alice in Wonderland in here, she says. Yeah. Because of all the bunny, all the bunny. And (laughs) uh, Winter says, oh, it's just, it's lovely. And Barnaby says, except for the dead body covered in rabbits. Or it's the other way around. Yeah, they say it the other way around. But she cracks me up, Elsa, because she, so when she's talking to Winter and Barnaby, she's like, oh, it's horrible. He was, you know, and he was killed and I found him and it was just so traumatizing and all the rabbits are free. And I just, so many breeding programs have been ruined in a night. Yes. Because the rabbits have been doing what they do. Sprinkles has been sprinkling. Apparently. (laughs) Sprinkles and freckles and Hercules and. Yep. Everybody's been getting down. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. So now we meet Oliver, mm-hmm. the new coroner. Temporary. This episode. Dr. Oliver Marset. He is definitely the number two filling coroner that we've seen because Toby's the best. Yes. Toby's, Toby's the best temporary coroner. Why couldn't they have Toby again? <laughs> but um, I don't know, because Toby was off making movies and like writing Marvel his own movies. TV shows and starring in all kinds of stuff. Oliver does, I mean, Oliver's played by Michael Obiora. He does a great job. What I love is he's not freaked out. No. He gives you the information right away. Yep. He's a good guy. And when he, they tell him, hey, look into this too, he doesn't go, duh, of course I'm going to do that. And, and he's like, okay. He's friendly. Yeah. He talks about Cam and he doesn't bad talk Cam. No. But he's friendly with how he talks about Cam. Yeah. Like he to- like I kind of was like, he could be a replacement. He's not like the fill-in coroner they have on Murdoch that time, who's oh. just a jerk. Like from the second he steps onto the speak not of stage, the, speak not of the fill-in male coroner <laughs> on Murdoch. He's a jerk face. Yeah, Delphi's glasses bother me. Okay, do they bother you? Well, Delphi, the whole thing bothers me. Her glasses bother me because there's more of her glasses above her eyes, yes. than on her eyes. You know what bothers me more? What that the tea room is a tent and not a room. <laughs> It should be called a tea tent. It is that what be, you're uptight about? They've said tea tent before, but it clearly says the tea room, but it's a tent. You're uptight about that? Oh. Meanwhile, Def- Delphi's eyebrows have bifocals and you don't care. <laughs> I see how it is. One of the things that I sometimes don't like about Midsummer are the subplots related to the Barnabys. Yes. They're sometimes kind of silly and unnecessary. Yep. But Bernie the Badger oh, we got is full-on awesome. I love that Sarah actually gets upset <laughs> that this other mother at the daycare- Took like, him up to Kilimanjaro. You know, and now we've got to take a picture with him. And then Patty shreds him. It's like, one day in the Barnaby household. <laughs> were, you, were you upset when she threw the tomato at the rabbit and- you were like, I was like, that's going to be me. No, I love it because um, uh, John and uh, Jamie kind of like lean over like, what is, what is she doing? Like they look past her to see where it went. Yeah. And she doesn't even like look where she threw it. No. She's got, Delphi's got like a silver platter on her lap full of cherry tomatoes she, and she's just tossing them around. That is Lisa and that is classic Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Like, that's perfect. That she's eccentric and doesn't even know it. Yep. It's beautiful. I'm more of a Stephen King man myself. First <laughs> Stephen King reference. 
The Belleville Country Inn, run by Perry and Belinda. Pets welcome. Open door pet policy, meaning not only can you bring your pet to the hotel during the small pet show, but you don't even have to keep them contained. I'm Errol, the creepy red herring. I would like a room where I can be creepy. (laughs) That place is going to be covered in poop. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Because you can't house train a guinea pig or a gerbil or a hamster or Or a rabbit. Rabbit. Like when they're in their own house, I think you can give them a litter pan like a rabbit and they might use it sometimes, but they're kind of hit or miss. They're not super good at training for that. And they're certainly not going to respect it in a hotel that's not even theirs. They're just wandering around and, you know, they're just leaving their little pellets wherever (laughs) they want to. And poor Belinda's like, I guess I'm just going to be vacuuming this up forever and ever and ever or sweeping or whatever you got to do. I love, again, I'm, this is the last time I'm going to say it, but Lisa's awesome. Her dialogue is awesome. Yes. And I'm not just saying that because she was willing to come on the podcast and talk to us. But when the lady checks in after Errol and Perry says name and she says sprinkles. Sprinkles. And he says your name. <laughs> like that is exactly what people who are pet crazy are like. Yeah. If you are obsessed enough with your guinea pig that you will drive to another place, no matter how long it takes in the infrastructure you have available to you and stay at a hotel to show that animal, that's the way you think. Like, of course, you're asking about my awesome animal and not about me. Yeah. Who is the real estate agent of the month? Seb. Always. Always. Apparently. Nepotism, Seb. Seb's not a nice guy. Let's just put that out there. He's the first victim. He gets stabbed in the neck with a pair of scissors. And there's only one person who's sad about it. And that's Tegan because that was her boyfriend. And she's not upset about it for very long. Like two days later, she's like, I might be interested in somebody else now. Yeah. And eyelashes. She's, she's totally over it. She gets over it real quick. From my notes, it says this episode is missing a creepy guy. Oh, wait, there's Errol. <laughs> I don't think Errol's creepy. He's portrayed as creepy in the first two scenes he's in. Yeah, because he's kind of creeping around. Yeah. Um, but then once you know who he is, he's kind of nice. Yes, he is. But we learn that Seb is this, um, he's kind of a predatory realtor. Yes. Right? He's out for cash. And he's trying to get the pet show to ruination so that yes his motive in releasing the animals was to undermine the pet show so that it would have to get canceled because it's the only reason why he thinks delphi won't sell belleville which would be a big commission for him if he could get her to sell it he's not the only one who dislikes the pet show though there's a letter the letter that perry wrote to the paper back in the 90s when he was five yes boy this letter is a gold mine they had fun with this letter you know i'm always like They should have had more fun writing this. They had fun writing this letter. Agreed. I have a quote from it if you'd like to hear it. I do not doubt that Lisa wrote this letter. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah. He says he was just a, he was a a teenager listening to Chumbawamba and the Levelers. And apparently he was angsty. 80s political bands. He says that the animal show is, is cruel. Yes. Chumbawamba's political. I mean, I, yeah, know they they have, I know they're somewhat political. Not the first song, but the rest of the album is very political. Oh, okay. So, so not tub thumping. No. The, I get doc- knocked down and I get up again. Yes. Never going to keep me down. Okay. It's in your head now. I just had to do enough okay. to put it in people's heads so they hate okay. me. There you okay. go. Okay. Here's the quote from the letter that Perry wrote. 
Given the choice, do you think Mr. Fluffles would enter himself into a competition that required him to jump three hurdles, hop down a tunnel, try to avoid the carrots on the side, and then parade in front of three strangers? (laughs) It's not the best line. What's the best line? Okay, the best sentence is, Mm -hmm. pets are mocked at pet shows as they are as they sleep on their princess pillows, silk cushions, and drink rain, fresh rainwater from Fiji while admiring their reflections in mirrors kindly attached to the side of their cages as a constant reminder of their beauty. That is angsty teenager all day long. Okay. It's still not the best sentence. <laughs> okay. It's the sentence after your sentence. So uh, in front of three strangers. Mm-hmm. Do not forget he's waited three hours for this moment in a cage Next to Psy and Am, two thoroughbred Siamese cats. <laughs> Those are the Siamese cats from 101 Dalmatians. 101 Dalmatians. Yep. Nowadays, pet shows are far from a form of idolization and more like a Roman satire, taking an animal out of nature, natural environment and dressing them to look like dolls. Now I have. Just, we are Siamese, if you please. It's just a fantastic letter it's it's angsty teenager yeah we skipped something important about the real estate agent's office what barnaby's asking if anybody had it out for seb and he says anyone been gazumped yeah what is gazumped it's awesome it's a fun word it's oddly specific so i looked at this up in the oed Okay. The first reference is from 1928. Wow. Which makes it 100 years old. Yep. Gazumping occurs when a seller accepts a verbal offer on a property from one potential buyer, but then accepts a higher offer from someone else. It can also refer to the seller raising the asking price or asking more money at the last minute after previously verbally agreeing to a lower one. That is what gazumping is. Oh. It's very specific for yeah, such a is. fun word. It is. I wish it had a broader meaning so I could use it. Don't gazump me. Mm-mm. Then we are presented with furtastic. <laughs> Fur fondling? Hercules is gone and somebody's fondling the furs. I have weird rabbit skin scene. <laughs> well, don't forget, we have to find the big key first. Yes. To unlock the dungeon of fur. <laughs> At least I I was relieved that the fur plot was not related to somebody doing animal rights stuff and like covering them in ketchup and leaving them in the lawn or whatever. Wanted to sell those furs for money. Yeah. Yeah. But I was talking about Furtastic, the pet store. Oh, sorry. Yes. Ailsa and Timothy's store is called Furtastic. The people who do this production work Uh are well aware that the Comic Sans font they used. Uh Uh-huh the most hated font in the world, Yeah, is there for com- comedic purposes. Right. It's, it's fun to ridicule. They used it on purpose. They use it all over the store. Yeah, because it's Ailsa and her naiveness, yeah. naivete, creating all their flyers. I There's a lost cat Lando in the back, too. I'd like to think his last name's Calrissian. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a lost dog who looks like the same dog that was lost in the last episode, so. except it's on it yellow is, paper. I think it is the same dog. I love how the, the budget for the small animal fairs flyers must be ginormous because that they, flyer, their flyer looks like a professionally made 18th century circus flyer. And it's huge. Yep. It's like two by three or it's something. Beautiful. Um, and they have no problem putting two up next to each other. Nope. Or three yep. or five yep. in the same place. 
Like in case you missed it because you didn't face that direction, there's one on that wall and that wall and that wall. And here's two on this billboard They're side by side, just place. in case they spared no flyers in, yeah. in, in the village where the event is happening, where everybody already knows all about it. <laughs> like maybe that's why they need sponsors because they spend all of their budget on flyers and they have nothing left over for the tea tent. Yes. So there's a weird scene here. I don't know if you caught it. Barnaby goes to the pet show. He's getting out of the car while they're dismantling the sponsorship material. Mm, the flyers, yeah. The, and he the walks towards the manor house uh-huh. into the cop shop. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, he walks past the guys. In the hard hats who are folding the banners. Yeah, and the next scene is him in the cop shop. Uh. And there's no mention of, I was at the pet show... Like, it's a total editing mistake. Yeah, they didn't mean for it to appear like no, the cop shop was a, right there. It's a total It's editing. just a goof. Yep. So Errol, the creepy guy, has shown up because he's Tegan's dad. Yes. Right? And he had lots of problems. I like how they deal with his alcoholism. Yeah. He says, I screwed up, and I've been sober for three years, and I want to form my relationship back with my daughter. And- his wife, Cleo, will get to Cleo's death because it's yeah. problematic. Cleo told Tegan that he was dead. Yeah. Like, that's bad news, man. Yeah. And she goes to the hotel and she and Perry are buddies, right? Yes. So Perry lets her into Errol's room and she's tossing the place. And then she finally looks in the fridge and it's full of alcohol and it's the mini bar and none of it's touched. Yeah. And she says, figures. It's almost like she thinks he's stocked the refrigerator, but in reality, it's already been stocked by the hotel and he hasn't touched it. Yes. Because he doesn't drink anymore because he had some amazing transformation in Thailand. I guess. And now he's dry, but he's been gone for 15 years. Yeah. He's been gone more than half of Tegan's life. Yeah. And she thought he was dead. That's kind of cruel that Cleo said he was dead. I, yeah. I kind of understand it, but I kind of think you're risking something there when you tell a kid a lie like that that is so definitive to protect them. Because if he ever does show up, it's going to be real hard to explain. I wonder how on earth it actually protects her. Like, I know it's hard to hear your dad is an alcoholic and he doesn't want to be around us, but it's better than he's dead. If he's dead, he's not choosing not to be with you. I suppose. He's just gone and he's never coming back. And so you shouldn't miss him anymore, right? I mean, you get over it. But if he's not dead, you never get over it and never stop hoping that maybe he'll choose to see you, I guess. I mean, that's my only explanation for why she thought it was a good idea. So Errol confronts Cleo at a house showing. Mm-hmm. What does Cleo find in the cupboard first? Or the, she finds like a piece of, clothing there's like a sock hanging out of the dryer and she puts it back in and closes it she's just tidying okay i didn't that's know what, what it was at first oh. i was like is that, is that underwear yeah it was like a dark sock I think. something it, i think it was just to demonstrate that she's very meticulous okay you know she's good at her job then patty eats the badger and sarah loses it yeah so much so she wears a shirt on top of another shirt i don't know what that's about but she says tell that to angela blooming Bezbrode. <laughs> and Barnaby gets the second best line. First the, the rabbit napping and now dog on badger hate crime. <laughs> dog on badger hate crime. And poor Patty's just laying there like, sorry. <laughs> Dogs destroy toys. Yes. And then Cleo's killed. 
Yes. So what do you want to say about okay. the way she dies? So the idea, why doesn't she just get out of the car? That's all I have to say. Does she just why doesn't <laughs> just she get roll out. down the window? Yeah. Just get out. How does he know she's going to be in the car that long? It's good that he takes her inhaler. Inhaler, but uh. so rabbit, long-haired rabbit fur has been shoved into the vents in her car. Yeah. So that she's inundated with it in a small space, which triggers an allergic reaction and sends her into anaphylactic shock and kills her. What I'm glad is there's not a whole explanation of anaphylactic shock. That they don't feel like they need to Oliver just goes, oh, it was anaphylactic shock. It's like petechia. We've heard petechia enough times. Yeah. (laughs) If you know about murder, you know about those things. Yes. I don't think it's super realistic that that could happen. I think she could have rolled down the window. I think she could have gotten out of the car. We're supposed to assume that she doesn't know what's causing it, though there would be hair flying everywhere. But in the there. hand on the window is so midsummer. It is it's, very midsummer. It's so wonderful. So I'm willing to forgive it. I do, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. That's how she dies. Yeah. It's made to look as if it was an accident. That's what Shrey's trying to do. Yes. I don't really care about the Varma subplot about him falling off a roof. Because Cleo didn't get in the right scaffolding. I I, I don't think it's important, except that it sort of gives Jayesh, the other son, a reason to kind of dislike everybody because they're all like just taking advantage of his dad and him. And he's kind of bitter. Like one one brother is like fancy realtor, good kid and the other, but murder. But in the other one is like kind of rough and tumble and jerky. The couple of things I love, and, and we talked to Lisa about this specifically. First of all, Elsa is a woman with needs and she's getting her needs from Jeresh, mm-hmm. right? And that is different than more portrayals of older women. I don't want to say she's old. She's not elderly. No, but, but she she's is, mature. She's she is not, not a 20s. young woman. No, she's in her early 50s maybe. Yeah, and I like that. Mm-hmm. And I like that he seems to be okay with it with no problem either. Like he's not like some weird, I like cougars or some strange things. He's like, I like this person. Well, well, and we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) He has ulterior motives, but he's, he's not, uh, he's not, not enjoying. And I thought their kiss was really good. Yeah. Really well done. Yeah. It was in the back room at the pet shop. Yeah. (laughs) Drew's rabbit is Sharuk. Yes. Which is an, uh, a mythological bird from Iran. I think it's kind of cruel to name a rabbit after a, a big bird. bird. It's like naming a rabbit hawk or predator. I don't know. <laughs> Luckily, the next mystery that's solved. Oh, did you know that Socrates won the steeplechase? Did you see that? Yes. <laughs> is what's in the annex. Right. Because there's an annex to the hotel, like an outbuilding. Yep. And Belinda has converted it into like an animal daycare so they can be pet friendly year round. Yes. And it's a nice ending to that story. Belinda and Perry actually do care about each other. They do. I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with the fact that he relied on Cleo for business advice because she's obviously successful as a business person. And the hotel was owned by his parents and kind of dumped on him and he wants it to work. And so he turns to her for advice. But I also don't think there's anything wrong with Belinda going, hey, wait a minute, maybe I have ideas too. Yeah, all that's okay. And And it's also okay that she's playfully jealous. Yeah, 
Yeah, but, like, I'm, I'm not put she's off by not any of that. Super jealous? No, she doesn't she's do irrational like, things because of it. Yeah, she's just playfully jealous. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many good lines in this. When they go and talk to Delphi again, she's she's got her rabbit, and they say something about the murder, and she says, "Well, thank goodness Liz can't understand what you're saying that she's being accused of being associated with a murder." The rabbit would be so put out if she knew that you were accusing her. Okay. We haven't talked about one person. Mm. And that person is Shrek. The killer? Yes. Because he's so unimportant throughout the episode. He's just Tegan's friend. And why no one starts any conversation with ears (laughs) with him? Because Lordy, boy's got some ears. So Amit Shah, who plays Shrey... Does have large ears. I think they may have made him a killer. He was in he was in a short movie called The Boy with Big Ears. Oh. So he's he laughs about it. He, he's aware of it. When I was looking at his uh credits on IMDB, I noticed that he was in an episode of The Witcher. Oh. You will never in a million years guess who he played in The Witcher. Okay. So The Witcher is a uh show on Netflix. <laughs> Henry Cavill. A video game crossed with uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. With it's medieval, and medieval D and D show. Yes. Witchery. And Henry Cavill. Talking. Henry Cavill talks like this the whole time. Uh, he says, I was in a Midsummer. So this is another Midsummer Witcher crossover. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I have no idea what part he plays. In the episode where the witcher is going up into the mountains to kill the dragon, to yes. catch the dragon, and he's with the dwarves and everybody else, and that fawn slash satyr thing jumps out and like kind of attacks him. Yeah. That's him. Oh my gosh. He played a character. His name is Torque. He's like a fawn satyr. You be, it's forgiven that you don't know who he is because he's in makeup from head to toe. Yeah. But that's him. Oh, wow. And, well, good on him for being on And that, that character has kind of big, weird <laughs> ears. <laughs> but they're different. They're, you know, they're like deer ears. Anywho. Man, he owns it. Xena the Warrior Princess wins the first, Syrian hamster competition. Xena the Warrior Princess. <laughs> oh, it's just full of gold. Yeah. When uh, Timothy confronts Elsa in the pet shop about her affair. Yep. Jay Ash says, all right, love, I just wanted you for your chest freezer. <laughs> and Timothy says what we're thinking. What? What does that even mean? <laughs> and, and like, okay. So he's been sleeping with her because he wanted to steal the furs and put them in the chest freezer. And apparently it's the only chest freezer it's in town. The only chest freezer in town. What what if Delphi had owned it? Would he have would he have slept with her to borrow her chest freezer? Don't burn your book. I want the chest freezer. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you have a room downstairs yeah. that's cold already. Yeah. <laughs> I stole them from you to put them in your chest freezer. What no. I love, <laughs> what I love about this line and the delivery of this line <laughs> is they don't pause between chest and freezer. Nope. Because if they paused between Chester freezer, it'd be double entendre it would be and whatever. Silly, stupid no. joke. But they still get the double entendre. <laughs> he could have said deep freeze, and it would have just it would have worked just as it well. Worked, but he says chest freezer. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Best line of the John Barnaby era. Yes, definitely. It's, it's got to be up there with doggone badger hate crime. Yep. 
It's it's up there with Constable. Yes, it is. It is that good. Yeah. But then Tim pulls a taxidermied rabbit out of a box (sighs) that is a tenth the size of Hercules. Right. I'm like. That's not even the same species of rabbit. No, it's the wrong breed. It's tiny. It's albino. It has red eyes. Hercules at the show has big blue eyes and he's a big rabbit. He might as well have pulled out a monkey or something. He may as well have pulled out Bernie (laughs) and said that was his taxidermied rabbit. So poor, poor Timothy has been put out the whole episode. He's been grumpy and drinking and isolating himself and everybody thinks he's just a jerk and he's just upset about Elsa. And in reality, his best friend is dead and he yep. hasn't been able to tell anybody. Oh, Timothy has a problem. His best friend's dead. His wife and him are having problems and she's kissing other men. Yeah. I don't know how far she went with the chest freezer, but <laughs> she's certainly kissing other men. Mm-hmm. And their daughter is trying to get them to talk. Yeah. Is is not able to. No. Timothy, Elsa and Timothy are having problems. Yeah. And yet you're sympathetic to both of them. To both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Especially once you find out that Hercules is dead. Yes. Poor Timothy. Poor Timothy. He must have rushed him right off to the taxidermist, who you know is a creepy person. <laughs> yes. Because only creepy people do taxidermy in Midsummer. Yes. Only creepy people. I'm not saying that's true in the real world, but in Midsummer, yeah. they're all creepy. Yeah. That's just how it is. If only that cement would come in. So Delphi's book that she burns is called Two Hearts, One Destiny. Yes. Don't Google it. No. Not if you ever want to see anything other than bad romance novels recommended to you everywhere you go. Yeah. Needless to say, there are many books of that title. Yes. And I don't want to read any of them. Oh. Oof. But she does say that she will now sell the hall. Yeah. And Tegan's going to stay. She's not going to go to Thailand. And this is where she says, and I might, there might be somebody else who yeah. I'm willing to stay for, meaning Shrey. Yes. Who is, meanwhile, In the process, killing her dad. Killing her dad. Mm-hmm. Okay, before that, we have a mom, mom, I got a part though. Yeah. The driver for Spaden Cement uh-huh. gets out of the truck with his giant glasses. Did you see the size of <laughs> yes. those geek glasses yes. he's got on? And just kind of takes off. I don't think he runs away or anything. He steps away from the truck. Like yeah. maybe he's going inside to, to confirm that this is where they want the cement or whatever. Maybe. Or he walks around the truck and Shrey knocks him out and we don't see it. Maybe. Whatever it is, he's out of the way because Shrey now has control of the concrete truck. But it is mom, mom, I got to park. Yes. He also does not park that truck anywhere near where it ends up. <laughs> so I guess Shrey has a class D license as well. Backs that truck up. Well, he tries to put it in the wrong spot first. And the world's worst night watchman says, wrong entrance, man. You yeah. gotta go the other way. It's not. Wait a minute. Is it Shrey driving it? No. Is that why he didn't know where to put it? No, no. Okay. Are you sure he's not just wearing big glasses as a as a disguise? No, no, because you're in the entrance. That's the wrong one. And then we see the guy. Okay. Okay. It's I not, didn't look at him that closely. It's but not you did. Shrek. Okay. <laughs> because that would have worked. Yes. If it, I, we don't know how he had the truck, but it no. would have worked. No. Shrey has disconnected from reality. Oh, boy. My ears have made me crazy. Sit with his ears. You're mean. Sorry. He was born with them. He can't do anything about it. <laughs> Just flap around like <laughs> Oh, you're awful. 
he he says to Tegan, he says, I'd never lie to you. I'd never betray you. And I'm just thinking, but I would kill your boyfriend and your parents. Yeah. And he acts like even now that that's out, it could still work out. Yeah. He's totally lost reality here. And then his poor dad. Okay. How can you survive that as a human being? That's who her? No, the concrete on the dad oh, on Errol. Yeah, I mean, you can only assume that it wasn't enough on his chest. The weight wasn't enough. And then his dad comes and says the thing. Oh, that just I've let you down. Isn't at, that what he says? He says, "Look at what you've done. I've I've caused this. I've obviously yeah. not been a good enough father. Or you I wouldn't love be how like Shrey this." Kicks the button. Like, Screw yeah. you. <laughs> I'm sorry I've let you down, son. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if that's sincere or the most passive aggressive I've ever seen a parent be. (laughs) As a passive aggressive parent, it's kind of both. But when J.S., the guy who sleeps with women just to borrow their freezer, is the good kid. Yes. Like, what have you done as a parent? I know this kid is a mass murderer. And Jeresh... There, but the Jayesh, you know, the couple of times that Jayesh talks to clients, he's like, I've done the work. You have to pay me. Yeah. <laughs> he's not like uh, flaking out. No. I mean, he's he's like purchased things for for Delphi's repairs and yeah. she's not paid him back. So he's in the hole. Yeah. For the concrete, for the oil tank that she needs. Yeah. And she's like trying to pawn him off, trying to buy time or whatever. It's not a matter of money. We have the money. It's just that Tegan only does the bills once a month. And um, uh, she hasn't, He's you know, we've been really busy. Legitimately frustrated builder. Yes. <laughs> his dad's injured and can't help. His, his brother is a psychotic serial killer. And he's like, I just want to get paid. For the work so that I've I already want, done. I want a big freezer and to get paid. Yes. <laughs> a little bit of chest nookie on the side. Why does he steal the furs? Because he wants the money. Because she money. owes him money. Because yeah. she, she right? owes him money. So he steals something from her that is worth what she owes him. Yeah. Which to me makes the theft not so bad. I don't think J.S. is going up the river. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. I think he, she legitimately owes him money and he just took it. I'm really, Basically. I'm really hoping that him and his father form a better relationship because, you know, the other one's out of the way. <laughs> well, you know, as, as a younger child, yes. you know, there is some benefit to one of your siblings getting into some trouble Oh yes. because it makes you look really good. You're well, like, I'm an first, angel. Okay. If you don't know, Sarah and I are both the youngest child. Yes. Which is. They know all about my sibling. The best place to be. <laughs> Right? Kmart, you got wigs. <laughs> Poor Laura. Which is the best place to be. Because, yeah. Because uh, you get the broken in parents. Yeah. And you get siblings who are mad at everything you do. Yeah. And it's fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, Jay Ash actually comes out a winner here. Yep. Uh, but I also think that now, once it's revealed that he stole them, I think Delphi would be like, you know what? I, I owed you money. I was just going to get him out and sell him so I could pay yeah. you anyway. I understand why you took them. Yeah. You were desperate. I don't think. I don't think she's going to like charges. try to press charges on nope. him or anything. Poor Tegan's going to end up in a psychiatric ward, though. 
Yeah, faint heart never won fair maiden is the worst phrase ever. It's not appropriate. It's, it's not like appropriate. Psycho killer never won fair maiden. Yeah. <laughs> Killing a girl's parents is not a way to win her over. But the final thing I have to say about this episode is the front of a police car is not the same as Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind that they basically hide Bernie with the hat so you can hardly see him, and they stand in front of the police car so you can hardly tell that's what it is. Mom, Mom, I got a part. I get to take a picture as a police person. Oh, what a crime scene? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> a family portrait. A family portrait. I get to hold a camera. I get to hold a camera. Another outdated camera in this episode. I think it's Sarah's camera. It's the same camera. Uh, it's just horrific. All right. Best corpse. <laughs> nice corpse. Best corpse. I got to go with the bunny death. Seb. You have to. He's got the cute bunny. He's got. Really? Bo- corpse of the week is that little cute bunny. <laughs> <laughs> He's not dead. I know. But yeah, I agree. Seb. He also does a good job on the slab. Yeah. He doesn't blink. He doesn't breathe. He doesn't look around. He doesn't, his eyelashes don't wiggle. It's, it's hard. And, and it's not a long shot, but it's not a frozen shot by any means. And they missed the chance to have Cleo all weird, like, ah, yeah. or something. <laughs> I think that. Like if you die of anaphylaxis, I think maybe your face is swollen up maybe or something. At least your face is swollen up. We've already kind of done after the credits. Is there anything that you want to add to that? So after the credits, I hope that the Bensons get back together. I think they will. I think so. And I think Belinda and Perry will live happily ever after. And yes. The hotel will do better. Yes. I think that um, Dhruv and J.S. are going to get closer um, as they sit in the gallery and, and watch Shrey get tried for multiple murders. Tegan is not in good situation. The best thing to happen to her is she's losing her job. That's the best thing to happen to her. But I don't think she will actually. I think Delphi will sell the house and she Still will higher. she will help Tegan get Maybe. through it. Yeah. yeah. So Tegan lost her mother. Father's an alcoholic. No, he's recovered. I think he's going to be there for her. But he's like, let's go back to Thailand. I don't think they go back to Thailand. Um Maybe after a while, she goes to visit him when she's ready. I hope Dr. Oliver has fun. Yeah, I do too. I don't know if he's in the next episode or not. Uh, I know Cam comes back for a couple more before she's replaced. Yes, by Annette Badlands. Yeah, who's my favorite. So that is Red and Tooth and Claw, season 19, episode four. We don't have a horrible movie, but uh, we had a listener suggest one for this episode. Mm -hmm. We'd heard of this movie several times, and you knew I'd seen it. Night of the Lepus. Night of the Lepus. Killer rabbits. So Night of the Lepus is a 1972 sci-fi horror movie in which giant rabbits attack. How giant are they? Well... They are, there's two rabbit situations. There are rabbits that are filmed in tiny scenery, Mm -hmm. like fences and stuff. So are they like car size? Yeah, they're like car size. And then there are like rabbit paws that are. (laughs) Giant prop paws that come in from outside off the screen. Prop paws. And whack people. Yes. (laughs) So do they do they like bite people? Do they bite their heads off? Or they can't? Oh, you don't see that much. It's all it's 1972. Okay. Um, it's directed by a guy by the name of uh Claxton. Mm -hmm. And 
He did a lot of Western. Okay. And written by a guy named Don Halliday and Gene Kearney, who also did a lot of Western. And so, when you see it, like... What makes them go from Westerns to that? I don't, I is don't it, know. Is it a book or something? Well, it was a book. It was called The Year of the Angry Rabbit by Russell Braden. Braden. And that book is actually a comedy book, right? So in the late 60s and early 70s, there are a lot of these political satire books. Mm -hmm. The Mouse That Roared is one of them. Um, but this is another one, The Year of an Angry Rabbit, which is uh, a plot in which the Prime Minister of Australia uses a super weapon to dominate the planet, which involves mutated rabbits. It's meant to be funny. Okay. Do they put them on boats and I, take them to other it, continents? Because rabbits don't swim all that like well. Like the prime minister's name is Kevin Sean Aloysius Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> like, you, you have to know that that is a joke. Yes. Right. But then they turned it into a horror movie that's serious. Yeah. It's not a parody movie. Yes. The the plant the rabbits are actually bad. Yeah. <laughs> Night of the Lepus, it's available on YouTube YouTube for cheap. It's it's worth watching because it's played completely straight and you laugh. Every it's right there with Attack time. of the Killer Tomatoes, you, right? You well, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is meant to be funny. Yeah. They don't think they're meaning to be funny in this. Oh. And it is hilarious. <laughs> and every time the rabbits show up, you go, oh. Rabbits. Okay. It just makes me think of the rabbits on the Teletubbies at the beginning, but they're huge. <laughs> no. Like, oh, there's a baby in the sun and the rabbits are killing everybody. Yep. <laughs> they electrify a train track to kill all the rabbits, but it is. What do they wave carrots on the other side to lure them I, onto I, it I, or I, something? <laughs> Over yeah, here. I don't know. It's It's got Rory Calhoun in it. It's There are problems with this. Well, movie. what we know now, having done the research for this episode, is that that wouldn't work. They would just jump over it. Yes, they would. They'd how, be able to jump tall buildings in single say, bound. How high could a rabbit that size but jump? The, the first, so the movie poster doesn't have any rabbits on it. They, so, they tried at first to keep it a secret what the leapus was. Yes. How many eyes does horror have? How many times will terror strike? <laughs> That's the tooth sound. A rabbit. Yeah, they don't really make a lot of sound. Night of the Lepus. They sent out uh, rabbit's feet along with the movie. Silent To killers. promote it. Yep. So that is Red and Tooth and Claw, episode six, uh, season 619, episode four. Yes. What do we have next? What's next, episode five? Episode five is Death by Persuasion. Mm -hmm. It's costume drama. Yeah. Remember they're all dressed up in costumes? That's fun. And then we have Curse of the Ninth, which is the classical music symphony that kills people. And I think that episode in particular is a, I know we had that weird masterclass episode, but we're going to have this episode now that is about classical music. So you'll forget the weird masterclass. With episode. the incest and stuff yes, and the Nazi yes, and, and everything. The Nazi, yeah. or you're Wash just it right away. Just going to forget it. Yeah. February 28th, we will cover 
The Ghost of Costin Abbey, which is season 20, episode one. And then the next episode, which will be our 118th episode, is Death of a Small Copper. Mm -hmm. And that's the 20-year anniversary episode. Yeah. With all the... The references to the other episodes. in it. We'll have lots of fun with that one. Yes. We'll do something special for it. We will certainly do that. You can find Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. You can also post on Facebook groups for Midsummer and Acorn subreddits if you're listening on youtube like and subscribe and hit the bell if you're listening on spotify listen to us and not joe rogan (laughs) and give us a review five stars i get knocked down but i get up again and never gonna keep me down yes bye (laughs) maniacs bye maniacs Again, riveting podcasting here, listening to Mark Google, but...